This is Jacob Mann, and you're listening to WESU Middletown. Hi everyone, I'm Nathan, aka DJNTN, and this is The French Show. Uh, tonight I'm joined by a jazz pianist, keyboardist, composer, big band arranger, and someone who is entirely too talented for me to be interviewing him. Uh, this is Jacob Mann. Jacob, welcome to the show. Hey Nathan, thanks so much for having me. Yeah, no problem. Uh, where are you calling from right now? I'm calling from Los Angeles, California, in my apartment. Um, I've been living in LA for about 10 years now. Yeah, LA. Nice place to be. I wanted to start off the night by talking to you about how I think I ended up finding out about you in the first place, which was uh, through the YouTube algorithm. Nice. <laughs> so you are you are a presence on YouTube. You're part of what I think is called like the internet jazz sphere. You know, your connection is undeniable. You tour playing keys with Lewis Cole and Knower. Your big band includes Lewis Cole and all the members of Moonchild. Uh, you've crossed paths with some internet jazz icons like Jacob Collier, Simon Fransman, and importantly, you produce a series of videos called One Minute Jazz Lessons, which have led some to describe you, and by some I mean a U- YouTube comment I saw one time, as the Nathan Fielder of jazz. Uh, <laughs> That's the yeah. highest compliment imaginable. I agree. Um, so do you ever think about your place in this whole musical, weird ecosystem? And how do you feel being able to interact with all these great musicians through what you do? I, I just, it's a crazy time to be alive in any creative profession, mm-hmm. being able to communicate directly with your fans, uh, directly with other like-minded musicians and people. And um, yeah, it's incredible. There's no, not as many gatekeepers of media. Um, and I guess there are pros and cons of that that play out in different ways. But I think in artistic spheres it's really cool because um you get these really individual personalities uh like you were mentioning lewis cole Mm -hmm. and simon franz and it's just like stuff that would never really fly maybe like 40 years ago and Uh um it's cool and yeah it's just a lot of people being themselves and the nice thing about um being on the internet is you can easily reach out and communicate with other people that you admire and there's a lot of mutual admiration in these communities and so yeah i mean simon fransman for instance lives in the Mm -hmm. woods in sweden and this is someone there's there's no way i would ever know if not for (laughs) like jazz and the internet colliding um but yeah it's really cool um it really uh it brings people together from all over the world with similar interests and um yeah i've definitely been fortunate um and being in la has also been a huge yeah. mm-hmm. win um just in terms of sort of a creative renaissance happening here i feel like in the mm-hmm. 2010s um i was lucky enough to actually go to school with a lot of or with the people in Moonchild and mm-hmm. uh, bass player Sam Wilkes and stuff. Um, I go way back with some of those people. And through those friendships, I've met, you know, people like Lewis Cole and Genevieve Artati and, yeah. um, and then to some extent, Jacob Collier, who has played with uh-huh. a few of those people. 
Um, so mm-hmm. yeah, it's a really cool, um, it's great because you can connect with people in your community and all over the world. There, the internet makes like a cool new community um, for people where geography is not necessarily a constraint. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so awesome. I'm really glad you were able to get in touch with everyone like that. So you mentioned Lewis Cole. You're in Lewis's Tory band. Very cool. Um, but Lewis is also in your band, Jacob Man Big Band. Uh, very cool stuff that you make with that. I love your big band arrangements. I'm going to play one of them in the show. I'm going to play uh, Koji. Cool. Uh, I think the thing that keeps me coming back to them is how like playful and energetic they sound, uh, which I think comes from all like the syncopation, all those horn stabs that you use, awesome chords. And Lewis on the drums definitely doesn't hurt that at all. Totally. Uh, yeah. When did you get the idea to start arranging for big band and how did that, uh, how did you assemble all these musicians? So I arranged, I arranged for big band while I was in college, I would like bring charts into the band, but it was mostly like swing stuff straight ahead. Yep. Um, but then once I left school, once I graduated, I didn't have a band to like hear the stuff back anymore. So I kind of lost motivation for a little while, but then, um, I, I heard Lewis playing with a big band once. Uh, mm-hmm. Actually, I was playing keyboard as well. And it was this Bob Mincer put together a big band to play like all these R&B tunes. And yeah. Lewis was on drums. And so I heard that. And we just did like one show with that instrumentation. And I like couldn't sleep that night. I was like, <laughs> the sound of Lewis, like the power of like Lewis playing with a big yeah. band is so insane. And I was thinking, like, if I could come up with some music that was sort of, like, centered around the sound of his drums, if, like, I could sort of, like, I don't know, make make the whole band kind of an extension of that style, yeah. I feel like it could be really cool.
but yeah, I mean, I've always loved big band music from Thad Jones, Count Basie, um, mm-hmm. Sammy Nesco stuff. Um, and so, yeah, I, I sort of just started writing this music that I thought like Lewis would sound good playing. And <laughs> yeah. I have a ton of friends just who are horn players and all great sight readers and things like that. So it sort of came together organically, just kind of contacting right. friends. And um, at first, the first one was like four tunes. Um, yeah. And so we went and recorded and it was really, really fun. Um, and I was... I was just thankful that Lewis was willing to do the session because at that time I knew him a little bit, but not super close oh, um, yeah. like we are now. But I, so I called him and he was like, yeah, sure. Um, nice. I'm way down to play some big band music and it ended up being super fun. Um, and yeah, so we did that one and then a second one a couple years later mm-hmm. and I'm trying to write a bunch of music now for, nice. I want to eventually do a full length, album um yeah, incredible incorporate some different musicians and like maybe a couple different rhythm sections uh-huh. um and yeah just like make it a party uh-huh they want to hear more stuff from your big man i really love that a lot oh um, thank you man yeah so aside from your uh bands you know your big band and also max ox which i've gotten to listen to a little bit super awesome stuff there as well oh thank uh, you yeah uh, aside from all that, you also release music under your own name, and so far this has been solo work, pretty much just using uh, one synth, like the Juno. Um, yes, it's really awesome. You you try to focus around one thing. Uh, what do you like specifically about the Juno? Oh, I love it. I love that it's just it's very simple. It's it's not like a digital synth where you have to go through and learn all these drop down menus and things like that. Um, I'm horrible with like soft synths in logic Mm -hmm. uh with the juno it's just all on the board it's all faders and knobs and so uh i sort of fell into having one by accident um my friend's dad had one from the 80s and he was he he was mad about it he was like i I just want something with a real piano sound and i had this casio keyboard with like five sounds but one of them Mm -hmm. was a decent piano sound so we ended up kind of like trading at first and um i just sat for a summer and just like moved every knob and fader and this old one he had didn't know how to save sounds it or like was broken or it couldn't save sounds and so i had to get really good at sort of programming it on the fly um and just sitting and tinkering with it i'm really bad with like the terminology like i can't tell Uh you really what any of the any of the controls are called or why yeah, yeah. the science behind it, but I don't need it. It's yeah. Fine. I just know, I really just know that one particular board. Um, mm. yeah, it's just super warm. Um, it can be goofy at times. It can be, yep. uh, sort of mellow at times can make, yeah, super versatile sound palette.
sort of because i always thought about music as you know melody rhythm and harmony yep and then once you like throw sonics in there and like the tone you're using it just opens this whole new portal um and once i started thinking about that with the synth like it would inform my piano playing it's like oh I never really thought about tone on piano like in a serious way. I just thought like you press a key and it makes a sound. But there's like, even with something like the piano, there's so many ways you can manipulate the tone of what you're doing. Yeah. Um, and the synth was kind of a big teacher in that way. But yeah, I also love it because after like doing big band stuff, like albums with 18 people, it's fun to just do one <laughs> yeah. by yourself. Yeah, awesome. Uh, speaking of Goofy, I will have played uh, Bumble Buddies in the show by now. <laughs> nice. <laughs> really love that one. Um, some of your work on the Juno has been uh, ended up being sampled by Thundercat on a song which came to feature uh, Ty Dolla Sign and Lil B, which is on an album that has now won a Grammy. Um, so how do you nice. feel about... Not, yeah. a lot, not a lot of people know about that. Yeah, I, I did some digging for that one. Um how do you feel about having such big names on a piece of music you originally helped create? That must be kind of cool. It's a trip. It's really crazy. I mean, uh, when I was 19 years old, um, I heard Thundercat and Flying Lotus for the first mm -hmm. time. And I think that is sort of the hardest I ever like fell in love with music or like that that was like yeah. the biggest phase i kind of ever had because it was in such a formative time in my life mm. and it was so different from anything that i had ever heard at that point yeah and i uh, mean as a 19 year old i totally am in that phase <laughs> <laughs> yeah totally for good I reason mean, it's it's good yeah it's incredible and so with the particular juno track you're referencing it was just something i uploaded onto YouTube, um, but yeah, it was something I just made in my bedroom for no reason at all, and yeah, it's really a trip how things can sort of materialize like that, it's crazy. through Lewis they're really good friends and yeah, yeah yeah he's a great dude and I I have met uh, I've met Flying Lotus but he's also an incredible so yeah uh -huh. I feel like whereas I feel like most people would be super psyched about like Little B and Ty Dogs like mm -hmm. to me like I, to do stuff with Thundercat like and Flying Lotus like the 19 year old inside me that is that's like the pinnacle kind of yeah, for me absolutely yeah. Um, but yeah, it's just, yeah, it's just an example of the randomness of <laughs> life 
and music. It's just you never know. Mm-hmm. Incredible. Uh, so you ended up liking the Juno so much, you released an entire album with it. You put an album called 106. Uh, one of my favorite instrumental albums of 2020, for sure. I'm going to play ZD on the show. Uh, what drove your decision to finally release a solo project with the Juno? And did you have a certain direction in mind when you were writing the album? Or was it just more of a compilation of separate ideas you'd came up with? Um, so I had done a couple singles uh, in 2019. Uh-huh. And then I was supposed to do some touring in 2020. And then when COVID hit, I sort of took that as a sign of like, okay, now I no one knew how long it was going to be and yep. stuff like that. Um, but I sort of took it as a sign of, okay, you've always wanted to do this solo album. I'd always wanted to try it. And so I thought, okay, now would be a great time to really dig in to the Juno. It's like right now, it's like the one way I can kind of make music and work on a project. spent the entire month of April um, just trying to come up with little drafts, uh, maybe like a minute long or something. Um, and every day just at the Juno, just trying to mess around with different sounds, things like that. Yeah. And then, it, yeah, at the end of the month, I had some ideas I liked. Um, and then I, I believe on 106, it has a couple of older demos that I had made. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, most of it came out of uh, like this two to three month period from April to June. Um, nice. And yeah, it was a really fun, just 
I wanted to just try once. I was like, I just want to try like, <laughs> yeah. doing this all, like tracking all the parts and then mixing it myself. Uh-huh. Um, and then I had Lewis master it, who he did yeah. an amazing job. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it was cool. I really enjoyed that. Um, I definitely want to do it again at some point. But nice. um, right now, I'm sort of... I'm working on some collaborations with other people, uh, sort of in the Juno world, but uh-huh. also focused on the big band stuff. But yeah, nice. I mean, it was it was a great learning experience doing mm-hmm. a solo record like that and just yep. trying to milk the Juno sounds as much as possible. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm so glad something ended up coming out of it because I ended up uh, really enjoying it. I think it's great. Uh, we are kind of running out of time here so i wanted to close things off by asking you uh what's been your favorite song lately or just something you'd like to hear played on the radio okay so my favorite song um i i was talking a little bit bit earlier about the feeling of just totally being like taken by music like i was a flying lotus and thundercat when i was 19 and i feel like i don't know i'm not old but i feel like the older i'm getting i'm sort of feeling that less and less um but when I do feel that, it is incredible. And I recently felt that um, with this Nelson Riddle soundtrack to a movie from like right. the 50s or 60s. The movie is called Paris When It Sizzles. And uh-huh. the it's a lot of the soundtrack is like a similar theme taken through these different orchestrations and things like that. But my favorite one... Is called Goodnight Gabrielle. It's just strings, harp, and celeste. And it's just like one of the most beautifully orchestrated pieces I've ever heard. And it just like, it just hit me like a rock. I, I was, mm-hmm. yeah, I was just totally, totally taken with this. Um, so yeah, I would say that's it. Goodnight Gabrielle by Nelson Riddle. Awesome. I'll have fun finding that later. Uh, and that will be used to play you out so Jacob thank you so much for being on the show really nice talking with you yeah thanks so much for having me this was a this was really fun <laughs>